Hot diggity dang, we just wrapped up the fall Apple iPhone event and there's a ton to talk about, so there's no time for an intro today. Let's just get into it. internet my name is Dustin and this is the my home kit home podcast here we look at the smart home with an Apple home kit and accessibility focus so as I record this we are hot on the heels of Apple's fall iPhone event and what an event it was of course we got new iPhones as we do every year but we also got new updates to Apple watch and a new Apple watch as well as a an updated version of AirPods Pro First of which, and it's kind of strange that it actually happened, we did get a mention of HomeKit in today's event, specifically in reference to the new and improved Apple Watch SE, which is actually the Apple Watch that I rock. In addition to a lower price tag, which is a rarity in the Apple world, it was specifically mentioned that this new Apple Watch SE would work with Apple's new Home app, which we could expect, but it'll also work with HomeKey. Now, if you don't know what HomeKey is, I can't really blame you because there's really only one lock on the market at this point that supports it, but HomeKey essentially uses a special type of NFC to securely lock and unlock your door. So I am excited to see the new version of the Apple Watch SE. For me, it has worked flawlessly since I've had it. And for me, in my mind, it seems to be the Apple Watch that most people are going to need. Sure, it doesn't have all of the latest bells and whistles, but honestly, I haven't really needed those. I think the only thing that I may have been missing is the U1 chip to be able to precisely locate my AirPods. But other than that, it's not a big deal. I just grab my phone and bada boom, bada bing. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about is less on the smart home side of things and more on the accessibility side of things. And that's the new version of the AirPods Pro. So as you might expect, the AirPods Pro 2 do have some improved audio quality with a new audio driver. It's got two times the ANC capabilities. It's also got this really cool feature that I'm excited to try out called Adaptive Transparency Mode, which essentially will kind of monitor your environment and reduce any sort of high decibel noises that are around you. And of course, this is fantastic for hearing protection, but I am excited to kind of test it out and see how well it actually works in the real world. Now, it's not specific to accessibility, but the new charging case for the AirPods Pro 2 is going to do a lot of good for people with visual impairments. So one of the things about the current case is that, you know, you do have the MagSafe charging, you do have the wireless Qi charging, but there's a light that indicates to tell you whether or not that device is actually charging and if you can't see that light you're kind of out of luck you don't know if you're actually well connected unless you've got magsafe with this new updated version it has a built-in speaker this is going to work particularly well for a couple of different things first it'll give you an audible response letting you know that your airpods are in fact charging It'll also give you audio feedback to let you know when the device is in pairing mode. And in addition to being able to audibly locate each individual AirPod, you'll be able to track down the case with a similar sound to the AirTags. So I really do think these features are going to be particularly useful for me as a blind user because I can't tell you the amount of times that I've misplaced my AirPods Pro case and it was sitting right next to me, but I couldn't find it because well, I couldn't see it. So being able to play a sound 
down and be able to find my AirPods Pro case when I need to, you know, take out my AirPods or to charge them, it's going to be something that's pretty useful. And if I'm being honest, that seems like something that should have been there from the beginning. And so that's really what I wanted to talk about in terms of the Apple event today. And so now on to the latest HomeKit news. But before we get into that, I did want to take a second to thank everyone who's taken the time to give us a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. I'm having a ton of fun making these podcasts, and I'm glad that people are actually enjoying them. And if you haven't done so already and you're enjoying the content, I'd really appreciate a rating and review. It goes a long way to helping others find us and to help us be more discoverable in different podcast directories. So thank you in advance. Now, let's get on to the news. So last week was IFA, IFA, there in Munich, Germany. And this was a pretty big event um, for the smart home. It usually is, but this year seemed to be a little bit bigger than others particularly with Eve and Matter. So much in the way that they did at CES earlier this year, Eve was at IFA showing off Matter using a Google Hub to control and set up the Eve Energy, which is currently only working in HomeKit. So while this particular bit of news doesn't really do much for us in HomeKit, I do think it's a good sign that Matter is coming and coming very, very soon. While at the European trade show, Eve also announced some new devices that they are planning to release in the near future, the first of which is the Eve Shutter Switch. Now, this new device from Eve is intended for the European market and will replace an existing shutter switch, allowing you to automate your window coverings. More specifically, roller shutters. Something that's particularly interesting about this device is that it uses your iPhone, either the gyroscope or the camera on the device, to actually look at the orientation of the window and determine how your shutters draw, and then takes that information and allows you to automate the opening and closing of your shutters based on the sun's position. Now, I'm not too completely familiar with these types of shutters, but it does seem like a pretty unique device in the smart home world. Eve also announced that they would be updating their North American light switch to support thread. Now, while the Eve light switch is not a dimmer switch, it will allow you to automate and control single pole and three and four way circuit configurations. And it also acts as a thread router, allowing you to expand and strengthen your thread network. Eve previously released the EU version of this switch, but it's now coming to the North American market and it's always good to have another thread switch out there. So that's something to look forward to later this year. Eve also announced that they would be offering a white version of the outdoor cam. Now, while this new white version will be internally and externally exactly the same as the black version, Eve is working to expose the dimming capabilities of the floodlight to HomeKit. So that's something to look forward to later this year. Now, alongside these new product announcements, Eve has also decided to officially discontinue the Eve button with no plans for an updated version in the pipeline. 
Now, I can't really speak to why Eve has decided to do this, but I imagine it has something to do with a combination of poor Bluetooth button functionality in HomeKit in addition to poor sales based on the price of the device. However, I have to say that personally, I really liked the design of the Eve button and I wouldn't mind actually paying the same price, maybe a little bit lower, but similar price if it had thread. But unfortunately, Eve has decided to remove this product from their lineup. Eve also announced that they are out of stock of and will be discontinuing the Eve Flare. Now, this is pretty surprising considering just how popular this device is, but I can kind of understand it considering that it is a mobile lighting device and it works over Bluetooth, so you run into connectivity issues pretty quickly there. However, unlike the Eve button, they have come out and said that there will be a new version of the Eve Flare coming out before the end of the first quarter, 2023, and it will support Thread. So I can pretty confidently say that if you're interested in either one of these devices, you may want to hold off for a little while. In our next bit of news, Leviton has announced that they have a new fan speed controller for their Decora line of Wi-Fi switches. Now, to the best of my knowledge, this is the second iteration, but I think the first one did not work with HomeKit, but it has been confirmed that this newer version will. So this switch essentially replaces your in-wall switch for any pool chain style ceiling fans that you may have. I really like the idea of this device for a couple of reasons. First, it is a Wi-Fi based device. So if you're looking to just replace a couple of ceiling fan switches that you have, this is going to be a good option for you and you won't have the added cost of a hub. But you're also able to sort of bridge that gap with guests and maybe other family members who aren't as into HomeKit as you with the physical switch, which does have the on and off rocker, but also it has the low, medium, high, and max settings on the physical switch itself. And to the best of my knowledge, this is just one of two fan speed controllers that work with HomeKit, the other one being from Luton Caseta. And options are always a good thing. If you're interested in more information about the Leviton fan speed controller or any of the products that we talk about, check out the show notes where you'll find links to the full news articles as well as the products themselves. And in our last bit of news, it looks like we will be having a new HomeKit hub from IKEA. IKEA is a really interesting player in the smart home space. They have a ton of affordable smart home devices, primarily lighting devices, but they also have a ton of different controllers, not so many sensors. They do have a motion sensor, I believe. Um, they've also got an air purifier. They have a couple of AirPlay 2 speakers. But one of the really interesting things about them is that although they, in theory, integrate with Google and Amazon and even HomeKit, one of the things that people have complained about in the past is that they don't have really good integration within their own home smart system. So it can be kind of difficult to get these devices to actually work with their steering devices or their drivers. And it seems like a bit of a nightmare. And to be honest, when I look at the IKEA home smart sort of system, I get a headache. Um, and so hopefully this new hub is going to solve a lot of these issues. One of the really cool things about this new hub is that it does support Wi-Fi, it does support Ethernet, but it also supports Zigbee and it will be supporting Thread. And on top of all of that, it is planning to support Matter. So this is posing to be a pretty interesting device. So since it does have Wi-Fi, Ethernet, and Thread, in theory, this should be a Thread border router. 
And I can only assume that since it does support Zigbee, that all of IKEA's existing products will also work with this hub. Now it looks like it will have a fairly steep price tag, especially compared to IKEA's current smart home hub, but it may be a viable option for those who are looking for a single solution for their smart home. So if we take this bit of news, we look at what Eve's been doing with their devices and Google Hubs, we look at all the matter rumblings that will be happening at the Silicon Labs works with conference next week, which I will be attending, it looks like matter is going to be here very, very soon. I would say before November, if not sooner, but don't hold me to that. I'm no industry insider, I'm just a dude that has a podcast and really likes HomeKit, and we've seen matter push before, so you know, it's... It wouldn't surprise me if it gets pushed, but it looks like we will see it very, very soon. Now, throughout our news section today, I did mention hubs a couple of different times, and so I really kind of want to talk about that. I want to talk about the value of using a hub for your smart home versus not. So first, I think it's going to be valuable to actually define what a hub is, especially when we're in the HomeKit space. So when we look at Apple Home, essentially you don't have to have a Apple Hub, but you do need an Apple Hub. And what I mean by an Apple Hub, I'm talking about an Apple TV, I'm talking about a HomePod or an iPad. And essentially what these three devices do is they act as sort of a bridge between your local smart home network and the outside world. And I say that if you're in the HomeKit space, that you need to have one of these devices because if you want to run automations, if you want to see if you closed your garage or if your curling iron stayed on or if your doors are locked from outside of your home, you will need one of these devices. And so those are the Apple Home Hubs. And there's also Smart Home Hubs. And so when I'm talking about these, I'm talking about things like the Philips Hue Bridge. I'm talking about Lutronica SATA Bridge, uh, Acura's full lineup of cameras and, and security system solutions, and even their little E1 thumb drive thing. Um, all of these are different bridges that kind of do the same thing, but essentially what they do is they act as translators between smart home protocols and essentially Wi-Fi networks allowing them to connect to HomeKit. Another reason why people like smart home hubs is it reduces the strain on your Wi-Fi network. So instead of having these individual contact sensors and motion sensors, switches, buttons, curtain drivers, roller shade drivers, all of these things connected directly to your Wi-Fi network, you just instead connect them to this hub using this proprietary language, then that hub translates all of that to a single Wi-Fi signal that then goes back to your router. And that really alleviates a lot of the stress on your Wi-Fi network, leaving it more open to devices that need that bandwidth, like your phones, tablets, computers, and even other smart home devices like cameras and air purifiers and these sorts of things that you maybe need a little bit more bandwidth. But then there's also the argument against home hubs, and I don't think that they're invalid. Uh, first, one of the big arguments that people have against hubs is just that you've got the extra cost of a hub. So not only do you have to buy the device that you actually want to control, whether it's a switch or a security element or, or 
you know, a roller shade driver, you also have to buy the hub that that device connects to. So that's another added expense. Now, some of these devices do have added benefits like most of the Acura devices. They'll have some sort of camera or a security system or a built-in nightlight, something like that, to give you that extra value. But then some of them just don't. They are simply there to act as a translator. And that leads me into a second reason why people typically argue against smart home hubs, and that's the fact that they do usually need to connect directly to your router, occupying one of those few Ethernet ports. Now, I say usually because all of Acura's hubs actually can connect to your network over Wi-Fi, but generally speaking, when we look at smart home hubs, especially in the HomeKit space, they do need to be hardwired to your network. And this can create a couple of different issues. Of course, it's one less port that you have if you, say, want to hardwire directly to your streaming box or if you want to hardwire to a desktop computer or laptop computer. Um, you know, so that's a bit of a nuisance. Also, you know, when you connect these tiny little boxes to your router, you have to put them somewhere. And so you kind of quickly run into this mess of tiny little boxes. Um, they usually look very similar and you've got cables running everywhere. And so you have to run into this thing of, you know, you have to manage these cables if you want it to look anything decent and, and be able to troubleshoot if in the future you have any sort of issues. So those are the arguments that people generally have for and against smart home hubs. Now, for me personally, I don't really care. Um, it's not a big deal for me to connect a smart home hub as long as they have value. If you're adding a smart home hub and you only plan to get one or two devices, well, it might not make sense. Maybe you just want to get a Wi-Fi or a Bluetooth device. And so this is where some smart home planning really goes a long way. You know, you really have to look at your specific situation. What are your plans for the space that you're wanting to automate and control remotely? Are you planning to deck everything out? Are you just wanting to do a couple of different things? And that's going to sort of guide you to where you want to go, whether you want to get a hub or not. You'll also want to look at the types of devices that you're going to be connecting. Are you primarily going to be doing switches? You might want to look at the Lutron side of things. If you're looking to just completely deck out your home with smart gadgets, you might also want to look at Acura or even the IKEA stuff as well. And of course, Philips Hue, you know, they do a great job of having a ton of different options when it comes to different lighting products and even their accessories. I've talked about it before, how much I love their accessories. And so that's another really good option there. Lastly, to kind of tie all of this in together, I want to look at the Apple TV 4K and the HomePod Mini in a bit more detail. So not only are the Apple Home Hubs, but they're also thread border routers, which essentially are hubs. So not only do you have the benefits that you would have from an Apple TV 4K streaming box or a HomePod Mini with the different features it would have for music and for Siri control and all of that jazz, you have access to Thread. As of now, there aren't a ton of Thread devices out there, but as we've seen in the last four episodes of the podcast, there are new devices being announced every day, and it's only going to grow. 
especially with matter hitting the market in the coming months. Now, one thing I can definitely recommend is that you probably don't want to put all of your smart home eggs in one basket. And by that, what I mean is that you don't want to just maybe stick to one single system. You want to have Wi-Fi devices. You want to have maybe Zigbee devices or Thread devices. Maybe you even need to have Bluetooth devices. And this is really you know, to make sure that you're, you know, if your one system fails, your entire smart home doesn't fail. And that's my two cents on the two hub or not two hub debate. Now I did leave affiliate links to all of the different smart home hubs that we talked about in today's episode in the show notes, as well as links to some others that aren't as well known, but definitely have their own purpose. So I definitely recommend you check those out. Also in the show notes, you'll find links to our social media at my home kit home, where we regularly update with all sorts of goings on in the world of home kit. You'll also find a link to the blog over at my myhomekithome.com, which is essentially just a launch pad for everything that we do. We have written reviews, all of our videos are posted there, all of the podcast episodes are there. It's definitely a great resource if you are into HomeKit. And with that being said, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the My HomeKit Home podcast. I do thank you for listening to the end and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care.